Get ready for a journey into the heart of Bridgeport politics with In Absentia, a new podcast from Connecticut Public's investigative team, The Accountability Project. Learn about the city's past and present political dysfunction and the systems that enable it. Tune in wherever you get your podcasts. Funding provided by Gregory Melville and Susan Fox and Kathleen Bromage. This is where we live. I'm Lucy Nalpathanchel. Thousands of soccer fans are expected at the Rent Saturday in East Hartford for a friendly match between the U.S. men's national team and Ghana. Coming up, we'll preview the game, and we want to know, will you be there? Speaking of Ghana, did you know the number of Ghanaians has grown in Connecticut in recent decades? We'll speak to some of them this hour about Ghana, a country celebrating its 60th year of independence this year. We'll hear from Ghanaian Americans about what brought them to Connecticut and what changes they'd like to see here and in their native homeland. You can join the conversation too, 860-275-7266. Email where we live at WMPR.org. Find us on Facebook and Twitter at Where We Live. I want to welcome into the studio Fred Cherame, founder and editor of the Ghanaian American Journal. Fred, welcome to the show. Thank you, Lucy. We actually met a few months ago at a World Affairs of Council of Connecticut event, and that's where you first told me about the uh, Ghanaian community in Connecticut. Tell our listeners about them. Yes, Lucy, thank you very much for this opportunity. Um, we spoke a few months ago about the Ghanaian community in East Hartford, Connecticut. Um, I have personally lived in Connecticut uh, for about a little over 20 years, and I started in Cromwell. I went to Cromwell High School. Ended up, um, I got married and moved to Manchester, Connecticut, and I've been living here ever since. And over the years, I've seen our population of Ghanaians in, uh, in East Hartford grow uh, and grow. And there are other, you know, other co- uh, surrounding communities, you know, mostly within the Hartford region. And it's exciting to see um, that population growth um, of Ghanaians, you know, people coming in every day, some people moving from New York. Um, kind of coming to the countryside of Connecticut a little bit, you know. So um, I thought it was a good idea to, you know, at least let people know that Ghanaians are here in Connecticut and uh, we are very much part of the community in every in uh, everything that we do in, uh, on a daily basis. I introduced you as the founder and editor of the Ghanaian American Journal. Uh, tell us about that. What is, what is this uh, venture and the purpose? Yes, thank you. Um, the Ghanaian American Journal is... Um, a journal that I envisioned about three and a half years ago, um, I realized that over the years, I like Ghanaian news a lot. I like to follow what's going on back home in Ghana. And there was a website that I will always go to when I first moved here in 97. The you know, internet was just, you know, um, you know, just starting out and people, there were, there were not a lot of places to go to get the news from Ghana. So there was this news uh, website called Ghana Web where I would go every day to read the news about home. And then over the years, I realized Ghana Web was not serving the, the needs of the Ghanaian American community because they are not based here in the United States. Um, so w- there, there, there was a gap between the news um, uh, flow. So I decided maybe it's something that we need to explore. And I started looking into it and decided to uh, establish Ghanaian American Journal to fill that missing link um, to ensure that Ghanaian American communities all across the United States are being served, you know, provide um, information flow is going on well and they're getting um, um, all the news that they need within our communities here because 
within our communities are very vibrant um, members and people doing so many different things. So why don't we put a spotlight on them? You launched in March earlier this year. I what did. kind of stories are you profiling of the Connecticut residents, the Ghanaian Americans here? Yeah, uh, so we start, We launched in March, and right in April, um, the second lady of Ghana, uh, Samira Baumia, visited um, Yale University for a program. And we thought it was a unique opportunity to bring her to meet the Ghanaian American community in, in East Hartford. So we invited her for a program, and gladly she accepted. And uh, we had a very uh, nice program where we invited the community on Easter Sunday of all days. And, uh, you know, we spoke about our unique um, uh, connections and, you know, how we can help with the new government and all the, um, the, the programs that they've established um, um, to, to help the country to, to move forward. So um, that was one of the programs we did. We've uh, been to Atlanta to uh, a conference of Ghanaian medical doctors um, um, in April as well, where we, for, for their three-day conference, we kind of joined them to explore what they're doing to help their community uh, as Ghanaian doctors and what they do back home um, to, to, to uh, volunteer and help um, with medical um, hospitals. And that was a unique opportunity because I didn't know there were, there were that many medical doctors within the Ghanaian American umbrella, you know, who have come together to kind of help, you know, the American community and the Ghanaian community, you know. And we've done, we were in NYU last um, a couple of weeks ago when the president of Ghana visited um, to kind of lay out his agenda for, for his new administration. You know, we've done other similar, uh, smaller programs across the community as well. And, you know, the soccer game, of course, is <laughs> our next big agenda. And we'll be talking <laughs> about that later in the show for the soccer fans out there. Again, a, a U.S. A men's team and Ghana playing in a, what they call it, international friendly at Rentschler Field uh, this Saturday. So we'll be talking about soccer a little bit later. Uh, we're going to be learning more about Ghana uh, this hour. And I wanted to introduce some other uh, members of the Ghanaian-American community that were here living in Connecticut. Um, Apostle Cecilia Boama, owner of Accra Market in East Hartford. Welcome to the show, Cecilia. Thank you, Lucy. We heard a little bit about uh, what brought Fred uh, to this country. Tell us about your story. Well, um, I came to this country in 1982 to join my husband, Asamara Fat. And uh, I've been with him since, with uh, my children, you know, and uh, other people in my family who also joined me in Connecticut. And why Connecticut? Well, uh, um, he was initially here in Connecticut, so I had no other place to go but to join him <laughs> in Connecticut. Was it, was it, are you happy that you, you landed here? Oh, I'm so happy. I'm so happy. I don't regret it a bit because, uh, you know, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a state that, you know, accepts immigrants, you know, so I love it. And everything in East Hartford, where I live, it's so phenomenal, it's so great, it's so interesting. So that's why I like East Hartford. I mentioned your owner of Accra Market. Tell us about that. Okay. Um, Accra Market was established uh, in 1991. As a matter of fact, the reason why this uh, company came to be was um, our population was growing and there was a need for the people in East Hartford or in Connecticut in general to have a taste of home, okay? Because uh, we usually went to New York to do shopping maybe once a month. 
once every three months. And uh, you know the traffic in New York. Nobody wants to be in, in New York, that busy uh, state. So um, I had a vision of growing in a smaller place. But eventually, you know, the business grew and I had to uh, move to a much bigger. And that's where um, I built a plaza uh, in East Hartford on uh, 168 Burnside Avenue. And as a matter of fact, with the help of the town. So now it's not a small convenience store, but it's a, a supermarket that you can get everything from Africa. And uh, in East Hartford, a lot of people are coming to your store from uh, not just uh, East Hartford, Connecticut, but people from around the world that are now residing here? Exactly. People are coming from even from Boston, Rhode Island, uh, some even from New York when they visit uh, Connecticut because uh, they know when they come to uh, Accra Market, they're going to find everything they want and um, at affordable prices because I import some of my own goods like uh, shea butter, like blast soap, like palm oil, which was featured in uh, Dr. House recently. So, and at affordable prices. So I have people coming all over, and it's not just um, on retail level. People also come for wholesaling because uh, most of the shops, uh, they don't have everything. So when they come to my shop, and they're able to buy in larger quantities and take it to their shops. How diverse is East Hartford? And how, how, how diverse is East Hartford and welcoming? Okay, East Hartford, uh, I don't know if I can compare East Hartford to any other town because um, uh, they really, really accept us, okay? Um, it's very, very diversified. And it's not only Africans. I see Indians, I see... Um, Chinese, you know, the town is growing with uh, different kinds of people coming in. So East Hartford has become a center of uh, the African community because, probably because when you are there, you find everything that you want. The school system is good. The, the food is good. The people are very nice, you know, and that is why I encourage people to come in and do more business in East Hartford. And you came here in 1982. How have you seen the number of Ghanaians growing? Oh, boy. Uh, I remember when we first met as a group in, um, in Hartford here, okay, we were just about six women and 18 men. So it was like 24 people. I haven't forgotten it. And uh, it started growing, growing, growing. So now we have a very large uh, number of uh, Ghanaians uh, in East Hartford and Connecticut as well. It's not only in East Hartford, but New Haven and uh, New Britain and all those areas. So the population keeps growing. You mentioned the population's growing. Are many of them young Ghanaians? Uh, what about your children? Oh, good. Yes. Uh, some of them are young, some of them are teenagers, and you know, they keep growing. I, have, uh, I was blessed with uh, three children, uh, um, two girls and a boy, and um, unfortunately they all moved out of state because they finished college and uh, the, the boy is an IT student. Uh, the girl, the mother one is a journalist in Atlanta working with CBS, and then uh, 
The oldest one is in New Hampshire, married to a, a wonderful man. And uh, they, uh, they both work at, um, how do you call it, um, this college. Um, it's, a, it's, it's, it's a prep school mm. uh, in uh, Wolfboro, mm. Wolfboro Academy. Very wonderful school. Can you talk about uh, why they left? And we hear often about uh, young graduates uh, leaving Connecticut. I Is that know. the same? I know. Same, same with my, my, my daughter. The oldest one, uh, she left because she, uh, she got married to some a, a resident of uh, that uh, state. But the mother one, who is a journalist, they're always, always looking for uh, the opportunity. Okay. And uh, they did, she didn't have it in Connecticut, so she had to go outside after finishing school at uh, Columbia University. And the younger one also said, the boy, he said, oh, Mommy, there's nothing in Connecticut. And I said, why? And he said, it's a dead state. <laughs> I'm like, oh. why are you saying this? He said, can't you see everybody's living? I said, oh, my God. Um, it hurt me a little bit because, you know, after all the investment we put in them, we we'll probably want them to stay in the in the, in the state so that they can also do a payback to the state. But they don't find what they want mm. in Connecticut. That's why they are moving out. But anyway, he's not far from here, just in New York. Mm -hmm. So he comes home sometimes. Yeah. This is where we live today. We're talking to Ghanaian Americans in Connecticut. Uh, part of the reason we're also going to preview uh, the big game at Rensselaer Field this weekend, USA versus Ghana. Also in studio with us uh, is another member of the community, John Coombsom, president of the Council of Ghanaian Associations in Connecticut. John, welcome to the show. Thank you, Lucy. And tell us about what led you to Connecticut. Okay, so I came to U.S. Uh, essentially as a student at uh, Worcester, Massachusetts, uh, it's called Central New England College. And after college, I was uh, recruited by uh, the Travers Insurance Company as a financial analyst. And so I took the track of uh, corporate America. And uh, that's, that was in 1978 when I, I came here to Connecticut. And I've been here since then. I moved on to Connecticut Mutual as a controller and then to uh, Shadow Oak Health Center as a chief financial officer and then to Bay State as a director of community health centers. And I retired, semi-retired about a year and a half ago. How have you seen uh, the community change from the time that you came here for work in 1978, um, close to the time uh, that Cecilia came, but have you seen Connecticut change and just the climate in this country change? Uh, with regard to Ghanaians, when I got here in 78, there were only about five Ghanaians, and all of them were uh, travelers. So there weren't that many, and they all live in Sydney Street uh, here in Hartford. But over the years, when uh, there were changes in the migration program where people get lottery to come over, then you kept seeing people come over. So they have multiplied, as Cecilia said, a lot. But uh, in my days, we could, you could count them on your fingers. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And uh, any challenges that you faced when you came here or noticing uh, people's perceptions of you? Again, uh, Americans, uh, we tend to look at Africa as one place when it's very many different countries combined. Yeah, that is true. The challenges that uh, we faced was kind of loneliness. Like you leave your mom, your brothers and sisters, and you come, you know, and then you get here and you, there's no support system. And so it's just you alone and sometimes you question yourself, why do I have to travel so far to make 
life. And we went through those kind of things. But uh, after a while, you get used to it, and uh, you get children, and then uh, you, you stay. That's basically it. I mentioned that you're president of the Council of Ghanaian Associations in Connecticut. Tell me about your members, uh, what their um, careers are, what brought them here, all for work or education? Most of them for education and also through the lottery system, also for work, for self-improvement and all that. And what happened was when people get here, they want to form groups. And usually it started out as regional groups. So we have the Ashantis, we have the Fantis, and because uh, based on the regions in Ghana they came from. So we saw a need that one region cannot represent Ghana. Say if you have a president coming over here and the president and aspirants have come over here, one region cannot meet them. So we saw the need to form a Ghanaian association that will represent Ghana as a whole. That's why we put all the organizations together and we call ourselves Council of Ghanaian Association. Incidentally, th that model is not for Hartford, I mean, Connecticut only. We have uh, Council of Ghanaian Association in New York, in Atlanta, in Chicago, and currently we are in the process of forming uh, United Council of Ghanaian Associations USA mm. so, so that we can address national issues. And when you talk about um, these communities all coming together, you mentioned when you first came, you felt lonely. You probably mm -hmm. missed a lot of what you knew from back home. Uh, this is something that probably uh, is alleviated when you have these associations coming together. And maybe you're from different parts of Ghana, but you have that common connection. Yes, yes, true, especially during our independence celebrations. Because when you're doing independence celebration, you are talking about the nation as a whole. So one region alone cannot represent the nation. Just like the soccer ball, the soccer game coming, it's a Ghanaian, it's not a regional affair. So there's indeed a, a need for a united association of Ghanaians. Now, Cecilia, I understand you're really affiliated with uh, the church community. Tell us about that. Well, um, Right now, I'm a pastor, and I'm pastoring a church in Waterbury at 1010 Meridian Road. As a matter of fact, you know, I had a calling on my life when I was young. But when I moved to the United States, you know, your whole focus is to, you know, make some money and achieve something because uh, life in Ghana at that time was a little bit tough, and uh, we didn't have so many uh, Ghanaians around, and secondly, you didn't know what to do, and I was that young. But when, as I grew up and uh, I had the calling of my life when I was young, you know, it started coming up, and I got myself involved in the churches, and uh, until such a time that uh, I was consecrated as an apostle, and I'm leading a church in Waterbury. And, and Fred Cherime is also here, again, founder and editor of the Ghanaian American Journal. Fred, can you talk more about how the church communities in Connecticut help bring uh, Ghanaians together? Yes, uh, Lucy, thank you. Um, the church community um, is, is, has been a very significant part of uh, the Ghanaian um, American uh, society because the church is the one source um, of commune uh, for the for the community I mean we, we 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 go to church to worship together when we go to church it doesn't matter where you part of Ghana you come from you know um, the region of Ghana that you come from 
when you enter the church, you are all one people. And I've seen over the years that churches in our Ghanaian community has, have, have been growing. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, I'm a member of the Catholic Church, and I've been going to that church for over 20 years. Uh, I'm the, you know, now the vice president of the church um, now, and, you know, where, whereas in the past, you know, we had the older generation leading the church. Now you've seen a shift where the younger generation is being given the opportunity to take leadership roles in the church. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's because there's been um, a huge, um, you see a lot of uh, younger uh, people coming in, you know, and they, they, we have to find a way to kind of reach out to them mm-hmm. and, the, you know, what best way to do it than to get some of the youth to, to kind of establish that link, uh, that connection. So the church, you know, in, in Connecticut has been a very significant part because everybody likes to worship. You know, we all grew up going to churches with our grandparents, with our, with our parents. And then when you grow up and you have uh, your own kids, you realize there was something good about entering the church. And you also want to ensure that you, you teach your kids the importance of religion in their lives, you know, in their moral lives and religious lives. So you 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 start going to church with your kids with the hopes that they will also continue that when they uh, they get older. Yeah. This is where we live. I'm Lucy Nalpathanchel. Today, our focus is on Ghana for a few reasons. To, on the weekend, uh, the Ghanaians in Connecticut and many others who love soccer will be at the international friendly game at Runcher Field between the U.S. men's national team and Ghana's Black Stars, as they're known. We're talking, we're taking some time to learn about Ghana from Ghanaians who now call Connecticut home. Coming up, we'll learn more about how the African nation has changed in the 60 years since its independence from Britain. And you can join the conversation, 860-275. 7266. This is where we live. I'm Lucy Nalpathanchel. Ghana is a West African nation where soccer is king. Coming up, we'll talk about the big match this weekend at Rensselaer Field in East Hartford. It's an international friendly between Ghana's national team and the U.S. men's team. Plenty of fans are expected. Will you be there? Some of those fans are in studio with us today. As we learn more about Ghana, in studio, Fred Cherame, founder and editor of the Ghanaian American Journal, John Coomston, president of the Council of Ghanaian Associations in Connecticut, and Apostle Cecilia Boama, owner of Accra Market in East Hartford. Now, we wanted to talk a little bit more about the country, Ghana, this year, marking 60 years of independence from Britain. Uh, Fred, talk about the significance of this. Yes, um, Ghana attaining 60 years is very important to all of us. Um, as, you know, even those of us who've left the country and, you know, been living here, um, we, we always find a way to reach back to Ghana every opportunity that we can. So every independent um, um, six March of, uh, every, every six March in, in every year, what we do is we recognize um, the ceremony. You know, obviously there are big festivities that go on in Ghana in recognition of that, but we also ensure that we do something here to recognize that. So we have a flag day or we have a, a dinner dance event where you know associations within the communities will will meet and recognize that day because um, even though when it happened I was a, you know I wasn't born at the time I grew up to understand the importance of that on the calendar of Ghana and I have ensured that my kids will also understand that because that's when Ghana became independent we became independent in 1957 and became a republic on July 1st 1960 which makes this Saturday a very important day on my calendar because Ghana became a republic 
in, on July 1st, 1960. So how, you know, what is so best to have the Ghana Black Stars, our national team, playing here in East Hartford, Connecticut, mm -hmm. on our Republic Day, July 1st. So this is a very important day for us. John, I saw you uh, nodding your head talking about uh, the significance of the 60th year. Tell me what you remember uh, about living in Ghana and what this, what this means for you. Yeah, I was born then, so I saw what happened. Uh, well, <laughs> yes, a lot of things happened. After the independence, we had um, uh, free education was introduced and everybody could go to school free all the way through uh, secondary school level. And they started mass education and our mothers and fathers who couldn't write could use the school uh, at night to learn A, B, C, D, and one, two, three, and read the Bible. So I, there was a tremendous education, mass education they call it going on. And that really uh, uh, highlighted and increased the, the, uh, the know-how of Ghanaians, the ability to read. And that's why you see many Ghanaians are fluent in English uh, and because of the mass education. It was almost like a crime not to let your kid go to school. Mm -hmm. It was mandatory. So all of us uh, were pushed through the school system. And I understand the education system is still pretty good. People send their children to Ghana to be educated. That is true. That is true. Uh, so that's what I remember. And then after independence, uh, we get into uh, something called one-party state. Eventually, you know how the politicians, and then they're followed by military coups to undo the one-party state. And then eventually, about, say, 30, uh, 20, 30 years ago, we reverted into democracy. So in Ghana, now there are two main parties. There are many parties, but the setup is almost like here. Mm -hmm. And we have occasions where we have had very close elections, 50 to 49, and still there were no fights or anything, like, you know, unlike other African countries. So Ghana is very peaceful, mm -hmm. both politically and uh, and uh, economically. And when we talk often to uh, immigrants about their story, so often uh, there is that connection in terms of how immigrants, uh, when they come to this country and they make a living, it's very important for them to then continue to support their families that, that, that are still in their native homeland. Um, Cecilia, how, was that, um, how did you see that play out as you and your husband prospered here in East Hartford, Connecticut, and how you're supporting family uh, back in Ghana? Okay. Um Back home, we have a saying that goes, um, it takes a village to raise a child. It means when, when you are born, you are not just for your, uh, your mother and father alone. You belong to the whole community and you belong to the whole family. So it's not like when you come in here, you just look to only your mom and dad. You have uncles, you have uh, uh, aunties, and you have this, you have that. So... When you send it to only your mom and father, you are in trouble because they all took care of you. You know, they all watch out for you. Okay. So when you come here and you have the opportunity, yes, you bless them, you know, with uh, your substance, uh, with whatever, you know, you can do to help uh, your family and the community at large because they all watch out for you. And uh, once you have a job, be kind enough to bless them at home because... Uh, Life in, in Ghana at the time when I came here was very, very tough. It was very, very hard. 
because there was a coup d'etat at that time, so people didn't have a, um, couldn't live well, they didn't have the money, people were starving and all that. So at the time that I came in, it was a very crucial time for me to support my family back home. So, you know, eventually some of them joined me here, so the pressure and the burden was, on me was lifted because I also have to come in and, and work for themselves. So we, we really, really help. I mean, if you look at the statistics that have gone out, it says that uh, Ghana is one of the countries uh, that people send money home a lot because we, we, uh, we love the country, we like the country, and we want the best for the country. That's why when we see something here good, we take it back home. Fred, can you talk more about that? I mean, we, we're hearing from John and Cecilia, you know, life was tough when they left, but Ghana has progressed. And, and how vital is that uh, connection, that support that Ghanaian Americans are sending back home? Yeah, <clears throat> it's important um, to see the progress that Ghana has made over the years. And um, to see that Ghanaians in the diaspora continue to support the country as much as they do. Um, the government recognizes this and you know they say that without our support the, you know the support of the diasporans um we the country would not be where it is today and so this current government what i have seen is that they have fully embraced the idea of bringing ghanaian americans or ghanaians in the diaspora in general to help the country uh on its march to to progress and for the first time um, this current government has established what we call the Diaspora Affairs Office, where Ghanaians in the diaspora are going to be um, given all the support they need, whether they want to come home and establish businesses, open uh, schools, w whatever endeavor they want to do back home. This office is set up to help promote that. That has never happened in Ghana. Secondly, this new government, for the, fir you know, for the first time, has brought a lot of diasporans into this government as ministers, as uh, directors of uh, head of agencies, to a level that we've never seen. You know, so for the first time, we are all very um, happy in, in what we've seen in this government, and that they're listening to diasporans, that they know that we are we have the technical skills, the the ideas to help the country progress, and we want to continue uh, to encourage them to do that. That. We do have this, the, 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 the skills to help them, and we are dedicated on that effort that we'll continue to support them every, every way we can. So um, in terms of remittances, obviously, um, we all have families, you know, that we, we, you know, we all have to do it. Our older generation have been doing it for many years. My mom always reminds me, well, now, now you, you, you're married, you have, a, you have a job, it's your turn. So now when he, you know, when she, she's asked um, to send money home, she calls me. Kojo, uh, we have to send some money to your grandmother. How much can you provide? Then I say, okay, ma, here's what I have. So what does it mean? It means she is um, gradually moving me into that responsibility mm -hmm. that when she's gone someday, it's my job to continue to support the people who are in need back home. And I'll be doing the same thing with my kids so they understand that there is somebody who's less fortunate than you are, mm -hmm. and you need to look back and support them even though you don't live in that same country with them. They are your family, they are your friends, they are, you know, you need to support as much as you can. Mm -hmm. So that's something that I've always seen is unique in the Ghanaian community, mm -hmm. that we always look out for the less fortunate. We always go back and support whoever we can. 
we have something called Sankofa, which I'm sure you've heard before. It's um, a bird that, you know, uh, very significant in our, in our cultural affairs. And it means you reach back and, and, and take something that, you know, w- you know, was in your past to kind of help you um, navigate your life now. You know, so always kind of go back, you know, and you can never say, okay, now I'm here, I'm in a better place, so I'm never going to look back. Mm. There is something within your background that helped you get to this point. You know, and now it's time for you to look back. Mm. So that's why the two things, Ghana and America, to me, is very significant. Mm-hmm. Um, I came to this country without, you know, knowing what I was getting myself into. My my parents and my uncles brought me over here, and then I realized it's a it's a you know there's a, something good about this country. I joined the military. Mm-hmm. Uh, I joined the Connecticut National Guard. I served for ten years. Deployed twice to Iraq and Kuwait with them. Now I serve in the Massachusetts National Guard. I'm still serving after seventeen years. I decided to stay because that was the little way I can pay back to all the things that I've gotten from this country. So I see myself as a Ghanaian American, and I say that because my background from Ghana is what got me to a point where I can look at myself and say, something happened in my life in Ghana. My grandparents and my parents inculcated something in me that was so significant that I can never let go of that. But there's something good that I've seen in America, and I want to bring those two good things together to mold my life, to mold the life of my kids, to mold the life of the community, anybody but I can, that I can impact. So the Ghanaian-American um, narrative that I use is, is just that, that there's something good between these two countries. And Ghana and America are friends. You know, we, we do a lot of bilateral things together. Mm-hmm. So why don't we continue to deepen that relationship? Uh, speaking of uh, the relationship between uh, the U.S. and Ghana, uh, someone's calling in with a question from West Hartford. Claire, you're on the show. Oh, hi. Uh, I just had a question. My daughter um, spent three weeks in Ghana last summer on um, an exchange program in in Loga, and it was a life-transforming experience. And I was wondering if any of the participants knew if there were either school exchanges or exchange programs between um, either schools in Connecticut um, or youth programs, youth soccer programs, and any programs in Ghana? Yes, uh, thank you very much. Um, yes, I went to Central Connecticut State University, and when I was there, I know for a long time they had a program, an exchange program between Central and the University of Ghana, where one of the Ghanaian professors at Central um, spearheaded every year. And it was such a phenomenal program that I have many friends who visited Ghana through that um, exchange program, and I believe they still do that. Um, I also uh, worked um, uh, work at University of Connecticut until recently, um, and I know that they have some relationship with Ghana where every summer they bring um, many students from Ghana and other African countries to come to the United States um, to, to teach them you know, about technology, about life. It's, it's, it's a similar exchange program. And they spend the whole summer here, and then they go back and kind of, you know, whatever they learn, they take it back and do, you know, to uh, to help in every um, whatever they do uh, back home. And similarly, they have students who choose to do, you know, semester uh, semesters abroad or do other um, uh, study abroad programs. So I know many colleges in Connecticut uh, participate in that. Uh, John, did you want to add something? Yeah. So my recommendation is to. Uh, try to reach the colleges uh, themselves, uh, ask for exchange program, and they will be able to 
uh, help you because I know there are networks uh, around and they usually know they pull their resources together. So I will reach uh, Yukon uh, Central and even um, Department of Education and they will be able to refer you to such programs. Now, John, we heard uh, Fred talking about uh, the new president and how the, the country is prospering. Uh, what's your take on, uh, I don't want to mispronounce his name, President Addo? Yes, Akufuado. I think it's a, it's a good thing because he, he's someone who has experienced uh, democracy. He was a lawyer by, uh, you know, by profession. He was trained in London. He lived there most of uh, his time. His father was actually the first uh, chief justice, I believe, of uh, when Ghana became republic. So he believes in democracy. And uh, he also uh, um, does not tolerate uh, bribery which is something that is usually uh, a problem for African governments. Mm -hmm. So we are all excited. And like uh, Fred said, he's tapping people in diaspora, mm -hmm. uh, which uh, are known to possess honesty, because in America, yeah, you can't come and lie. If you lie, you go to jail. And all of us cultivate uh, habits of uh, uh, honesty. And so they are looking for that kind of thing. So I'm, I'm excited. And uh, he's also reintroducing free meals for schools so that kids will be able to continue uh, uh, the education. And so uh, I'm excited about the opportunity. Now, earlier we were also talking about the relationship between U.S. and Ghana. I'm just curious about your impressions of the new administration. Any concern about um, how the relationship uh, could change? I understand there were good relationships with previous presidents, Fred. Yes, um, I... You know, for the in, in the past few years, we've seen uh, the relationship between Ghana and the United States uh, deepen, and we want to obviously, con you know, we, we hope it, uh, it continues because um, there are, you know, these are two great countries, and we've mm. done a lot of work together. Um, now, with the new administration, obviously um, coming in uh, during the campaign, we heard a lot of rhetoric about. Uh, what they were coming to do, and um, there were some worrying concerns for, especially for those of us in the immigrant community, that um, we've lived in this country over the years, and we've been law-abiding, and we continue to support um, the United States in every way that we can. And we obviously had some concerns about, uh, you know, um, the, the rhetoric against immigrants, because the American society, as we know, is a society of immigrants. And when you, you hear a, a president, uh, incoming president, uh, going against that, um, that, that, that um, the belief, you know, it kind of says some shivers in under your spine. So we, um, we've been hoping that they, so far we've seen um, they've stepped up deportations against immigrants. Obviously, if someone comes to this country and does something illegal and they are deported, that's according to the law. That's that's something that we ha we have no problems with. But if people are in the process of trying to uh, legalize themselves, or they not co they haven't committed any crimes, or uh, the government start going after places where people usually commune, or you know maybe whether it's in it's in a you know a church or somewhere that they'll go to to do the normal things that every per every uh, person would do, and they get rounded up, and we've seen immigration offices in Hartford, you know, on the streets of Hartford. These are things that we, we, we never used to see as much. Yes, the law is being enforced a lot more, but we hope they continue to enforce it 
in a in a in a, in a judicious way whereby uh, people who have not broken the law are not easily rounded up without you know any warning um, um, and, and and deported back home. This is where we live today. We're talking to Ghanaian Americans about their country, Ghana, again, celebrating its 60th year of independence. Uh, When we come back from the break, we're going to actually switch focus to soccer. That's because the U.S. men's team takes on Ghana at Renshaw Field on Saturday. We want to know, are you going to the game? Uh, Join the conversation, 860-275-7266. I believe that. I believe that. I believe that we. This is where we live. I'm Lucy Nalpathanchel. Are you a soccer fan glued to the World Cup each year? Well, you might remember this moment in 2014. USA making a really bright start, and there might be a chance already for Dempsey. What a start. 31 seconds played. Clint Dempsey so quick off the mark. different kind of emotion now Jürgen Klinsmann's up off the bench Jürgen Klinsmann's USA are up and running incredible start a little nutmeg's there he goes past the defender and what a finish opens his body puts it off the post Clint Dempsey great start for USA Now, that was the opening goal of a game in 2016 that USA went on to win against Ghana's Black Stars. Saturday, the two teams meet again at Runcher Field, officially called Pratt & Whitney Stadium, for a warm-up known as an international friendly game. Still a lot of excitement for soccer fans, including some of our in-studio guests. With us today again are Fred Cherame, founder and editor of the Ghanaian American Journal, John Coombson, president of the Council of Ghanaian Associations in Connecticut, also Cecilia Boama, owner of Accra Market in East Hartford. And joining us by phone now is Derek Kwasi Minta. He lives in Manchester and is a member of both the Central Connecticut Soccer Officials Association and U.S. Soccer Federation referee program. Derek, welcome to the show. Thank you, Nessie. <laughs> it's Lucy, but it's okay. <laughs> so, uh, Derek, tell us about this game, what it means to you to be attending on Saturday. Oh, it means a lot. I mean, the way, the way you just, um, the, the last segment that you just played it there, Kind of brought back memories. Uh, I want to um, say uh, that day was one of one of the uh, saddest day in, in, in my life to say because uh, USD Ghana. So it, it means a lot. It means a lot. It means everything. Soccer in, in Ghana and soccer either soccer is life. It's, it's what we do. We do soccer. You know, we go to work, we go to school, and then we do our soccer. So it, it's everything. And why is soccer so big in Ghana? Because in, in the United States, we have so many sports to follow. It's pretty distracting for us here. Exactly, exactly. And, and that's why it's big. Because in Ghana, that's all we, we, we do with soccer. It's like rather than many sports, um, the biggest sports on stage is soccer. So everywhere in Ghana you go, it's soccer. Kids, older men, older women, you know, everyone do soccer. So that's why it's big. It's, it's something that brings us all together, brings the whole nation a standstill. If it's a game, everybody stops and watch. 
And we certainly hear a lot of people that are interested in attending uh, this Saturday. Um, also on the phone with us now is Mike Kane. He's president of the Agents of Hale, and um, it's a support group for the Hartford City FC, a soccer team based here in Hartford. Mike, welcome to the show. Lucy, thanks for having me. Much appreciated. So tell about, talk about the excitement of this game, U.S. versus Ghana, and, and why here in Connecticut are these, are these international friendlies played? Uh, I think over the years, uh, the Hartford and, and Connecticut soccer community has shown time and time again that we can support soccer. And you see that at Hartford City FC games. But if you've been at any of the U.S. men's or women's national teams matches at Rensselaer Field over the last five, six years, uh, we've very close to sold out or sold out every single one. Um, and that's because there is this profound love for soccer here. And you, like you said, this is a very diluted kind of uh, sports uh, atmosphere in the United States because we have so many sports to choose from. But uh, Connecticut has shown that we love soccer and they show up in droves. It's Americans. In this case, it'll be Ghanaians. It's people from all over the world coming in and supporting soccer in Connecticut. Uh, tell us about who to watch uh, at the game on Saturday from the U.S. men's team, Mike. Um, so from our perspective, uh, we're, this is a warm-up match like it is for Ghana. Um, we have our Gold Cup tournament coming up the rest of this month. So we're looking at a few players that are really um, not only going to help us in this tournament, but in World Cup qualifying and the World Cup moving forward. So we have um, regular starters in the roster um, like Omar Gonzalez and Alejandro Bedoya, who uh, play on the biggest stages and will be playing uh, regularly for the U.S. But we're also looking at some um, young up-and-comers. My personal favorite right now is Kellen Acosta. He plays for FC Dallas. He's 21 years old, but you'd never know it by watching him play. Um, Jordan Morris, same situation. He plays for Seattle. He's only 22. He actually first started playing for the U.S. national team while he was still playing in college. Uh, so we're looking mostly for these young up-and-comers to um, support the you know, senior national team. And Derek, I'll go back to you. Who should we watch uh, playing for the Black Stars? Look out for Samuel John to cap you know, more goals. Uh, the day Ayu is coming, uh, Ajuman Bedou, they're all coming. Um, and, and they, they you know, we got a few young stars, also rising stars in the making. And, and they're all going to be on stage. Now, Mike, you mentioned that soccer fans, they turn out for these games. And uh, obviously the World Cup is a very important sporting event uh, for many countries. So do you see oh, yeah. lots of these different uh, immigrant communities in Connecticut or nearby in Rhode Island, New York, coming to these games just because they love the sport so much? It is. And you know what? This, this match, you know, it is, a, it is a friendly. There is no real competition on the line here. What I look at it as and what, you know, the American Outlaws, uh, the supporters group for the U.S. national team and the soccer community as a whole, they look at this game as a big celebration. There are people driving from all over the place to see this game. And it's just a, it's a base. It's a big celebration. We're starting with, you know, American supporters are starting the night before the game. We'll all be at Tavern downtown in Hartford, um, welcoming people from all over the country that are coming in and staying in hotels so that they have a place to go and people to meet and soccer to talk about. Um, and it's, you know, we'll be tailgating four hours before and it will be people from New York, Rhode Island, but also West Virginia and California. And uh, it's in not just the country, but, uh, you know, immigrant communities and refugees that are coming in and watching soccer um, because they love it. And they might not even have a specific connection to the game on Saturday, but they're coming because they do genuinely love the game.
Well, Mike, thank you so much for joining us for just a little bit of the conversation. I wanted to go back to our uh, in-studio guests. Uh, Fred, you mentioned the significance of this game happening on July 1st. And uh, tell us a little bit about how the Ghanaian community is getting together for the, for the match. Yes, um, we are super excited. Um, when you played that little short uh, clip, you know, I, I was, I had good goosebumps because I remember that day I was in the same room with Derek. We were watching the game with our families and our, all our friends. And we were so ready to win a third straight game against the U.S. And, you know, we were disappointed, but it's okay. Uh, this is another opportunity. It's a friendly, international friendly march, but somehow... When it comes to Ghana and the United States, there's still a lot of a little competition somewhere. So we we're gonna try to reclaim our 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 you know our victory again. Um, this match is so significant, you know, especially for those of us here in Connecticut, because the United States is such a huge place, and there are so many biggest uh, states and cities across the U.S. that this game could have been played. So for us, it's quite unique for the first time that the Black Stars are coming here to East Hartford, Connecticut, you know, our backyard, you know, and, you know, we've been getting ourselves ready. Um, um, you know, the U.S. Soccer uh, Federation was selling tickets online. We realized that uh, some of our people do not go online to shop or buy things, you know, online. So we uh, f uh, formed a relationship with the U.S. Soccer Federation and we were able to uh, acquire uh, a group, a bunch of tickets for them so they can go and sit in the same place. Because when Ghanaians go to the stadium, we like to sit in our own little place and, and we sing our songs <laughs> and we, we hit our drums and we wear our colors. Yeah. And, and Fred, we're hearing from a listener wants to know, if she can't go to the game, can she watch this somewhere? Yes, it will be on ESPN Live. So ESPN is a place to watch. And we ask everyone to join us at, at Silver Lane, uh, the Silver School, right across from the stadium. The Ghanaian community, we are having a tailgate party right before, from 10 to 4 p.m., before the game. So we ask everyone to join us. Thank you, Fred Cherime, John Coombson, Cecilia Boema for joining us. Also, uh, Derek Quasi-Minta uh, for joining us as well. This is where we live, and we'll find out who wins, the USA or the Black Stars.